You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Parker McDonald, and this is episode number 22. Today, we're talking with my buddy, Locke Wheeler, from Louisiana. we got a whole bunch of different things that we're talking about today. A couple of them include scree gear, we're talking about Louisiana bow hunter, and we're also talking about a giant buck that Locke was able to take last week. Stay tuned. What is up, everybody? I hope you are having an awesome, awesome day. If you're listening to this right when it comes out, I hope Friday has been incredible. I know you guys are looking forward to another great weekend in the woods because it is the time of year that we all dream about. Um, It's actually a little bit past what is nationally known as the best day to hunt on November the 7th, but we're at the beginning of November, and as we all know, this is when the big bucks like to uh, be on their feet, you know, not in necessarily in my neck of the woods. We don't get to experience a rut until about, uh, December or so around North Alabama. But, um, but I know you guys, I've seen so many pictures the last couple of days, especially of big deer hitting the ground. And so congrats to you who have already filled your tags, but if not, your time is coming, you know, hard work always pays off. And, uh, I say always, it will eventually pay off. How about that? That sounds, that sounds pretty good. But, uh, today we have a really cool show, uh, in line in store for you guys. I'm talking to my buddy Locke Wheeler that I met at the World Deer Expo in Birmingham in, let's see, when was that? That was in July. And, uh, we just really hit it off. We were sitting there at the Scree Gear booth, which we're going to talk about today. Um, we were sitting there talking about deer hunting and, and we really connected really well, I thought, and, uh, so we decided to go ahead and have him on the show. I actually got to be a guest on the podcast that he's a part of, the Louisiana Bowhunter podcast, and uh, I had a blast. It was actually kind of funny because obviously a podcast called Louisiana Bowhunter is going to be about Louisiana, but they wanted to talk about kayak access and public lands and, and things like that. And so they really wanted to get somebody on the show that wouldn't give away all the good spots in Louisiana. So uh, they called me up and I got to be on that podcast. And so that was just a whole lot of fun um, being on that. So go check that out. The Louisiana Bowhunter podcast. I think you'll enjoy it. Um, yeah, it, it's it's a power packed uh, hour. The power hour is what we'll call it from Locke. You know, we talked about a lot of things. We talked about Scree Gear, which is a uh, performance camo company that is really doing some really cool stuff in the industry. And I think you're going to want to check that out. Um, we talk about that. We talk about Locke's little project. I say little project. It's actually turned into be a, a pretty cool thing. It's called the Progression Series, um, and that is presented by Scree Gear, and I think you're going to enjoy that. It's a it's a YouTube series kind of highlighting the progression of the hunter throughout the season, um, and and man, what I've seen so far of that is, is nothing but good, so I think you'll want to check that out as well. But before we get into the episode, we're going to take care of a little bit of housekeeping. As always, a big, huge thanks to our partners. We could not do this podcast without you. Um, We'll start off with Onyx. Onyx is, uh, man, if you're not using Onyx by now, I don't know what you're doing. Onyx is, is making just tremendous leaps in the world of mapping and, and, you know, I, I'm not going to say that I wouldn't be able to hunt without Onyx, but I'll tell you this, now that I have used it, I would feel naked in the woods without Onyx maps. You know, I'm able to mark my points. I'm able to, um, you know, the other day my flashlight battery died <laughs> while I was hiking out and it wasn't a big deal. I just turned on my, uh, my Onyx maps and, and turned on my, my cell phone battery or my cell phone flashlight. And I was able to get back to the kayak really quickly, really easily. Um, I would just feel naked without it. So if you are not using Onyx yet, I really, really would tell you to, um, to check it out, to, to see what they got. They got two different types of memberships. You can get a membership that's just for the state that you want, one state, and that's called the premium membership. And they also have 
the elite membership, which is what I have, and you can choose any state you want to in the United States. And, uh, and I don't think you're going to be disappointed with it if you get it. You can, I think everybody from the private land guy who's hunting a farm that he's hunted for his whole life um, to the public land guy who maybe is going into a new spot every single sit, I think everybody can get something out of Onyx Maps. Moving along, uh, I want to give a huge, huge shout out to our buddies at New Breed Archery. You know, I've shot so far two deer with my, or I'm sorry, that's a lie. I've shot three deer so far with my um, New Breed GX2. Uh, and I've got to tell you, like, it is so smooth. Um, it's so quiet. It's just dead in the hands. And, and I've never felt so, uh, so confident. You know, every single deer I've killed so far could be, could, could have been killed with any bow. You know, they were all under 20 yard shots. And, um, and, you know, I'm, I've been lucky enough to have some pretty easy shots this season, but I got to tell you, I'm just so confident with my GX2. A cool thing about New Breed, and they actually just announced that they are officially a direct-to-consumer company. I saw that on social media, and and let me tell you why that is beneficial to you, because there is no um, third-party costs. There's nothing that you're going to have to pay extra by a company like Bass to a company like Bass Pro or Academy or anything like that. All you're doing is paying for your bow from New Breed. The other thing that makes that really cool is that you can be in communication with the people who are building your bow and you can completely customize that bow to to your liking. You know, you can get it whatever color as long as they as long as they have the 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 hydro dip to do it. Um, but even that is is not necessarily always true because um, I I know some custom paint jobs that they've done on other people's bows that have just been absolutely incredible. So go and check out New Breed. Get you a customized bow that is everything that you've wanted for your whole life and more. Oh, I need to breathe a little bit when I'm doing these things. I just feel like I need to get it all out in one breath. But uh, if you go to New Breed Archery, you can uh, you can call them up or go online. Tell them that Southern Grounds sent you and you'll get a discount on that bow. Another partner that we've got has, has been, man, I keep hearing about this company absolutely everywhere I look, and that is Tethered. Um, you guys know Greg Godfrey. We've had him on the show a couple times. Him and the team at Tethered are just doing some really cool stuff in the saddle hunting world. All three of the deer that I've killed so far this year have been out of the saddle, out of my Tethered Mantis, and I actually just got my platform in last week, and I've got one sit. Uh, so far down in my platform and my predator platform, and it's been so stinking cool. Um, it was so comfortable. I've been I've been hunting with my using my top stick as my platform, so I've basically just been standing on my top hawk helium stick. And um, now I tell you this, I I haven't hated it. I've still fallen in love with with saddle hunting with that top, even using that top stick as my platform, and I've killed three deer that way, but. Um, man, this platform is so stinking comfortable. It's like going, um, like every sit, my feet would get a little bit uncomfortable in, and you know, I mean, obviously that's going to happen, but now I'm just super excited about getting used to it and, um, hopefully taking a couple more deer with, uh, with the use of my platform. So, um, if you haven't already checked them out, check them out on Facebook, on Instagram, or go to their website, tetherednation.com, uh, and you can check out some of their stuff. Um, right now they're doing a really cool giveaway. It's like the 12 days of rutmus is what they're doing. And they're giving away something every single day. And, uh, and I don't think you're going to win miss that. It's been really, really, really cool. So go check out that's on Facebook that they're doing that. You can check it out, see what they're giving away new stuff every single day. They're giving away. Um, I saw one thing where you can get like a personal, um, consultation from Dan Infault to scout your property. And I think there was a similar thing with the hunting public. Um, you can go and, uh, and, be able to talk to those guys, send them maps of your property, and they'll scout it for you, cyber scout it for you, which is pretty cool. So check that out. The last partner we're going to talk about today is Go Wild. Um, man, I've just got to say, like, Go Wild has been uh, <laughs> my best friend while I'm sitting in the tree on those slow mornings or slow afternoons, just going through there and seeing all the success that other people are having has been really cool. 
Um, one thing that I've that I've really noticed about it is that I don't see any bashing on on Go Wild. You could post a picture of a spike that you killed, and people are still going to be excited for you. So go and check out Go Wild. They got some really cool stuff coming up in the future. Go Wild's also doing a lot of giveaways. Like every single week, they're giving away something really cool. Um, from a, a hunting trip to Texas is something they just recently gave away. Uh, a, a new bow. They've been giving away a lot of really cool things. So. Uh, if you're a fan of giveaway, giveaways like I am, then you're going to want to be a part of Go Wild and enter into some of those things. Um, yeah, that's all we've got for today for our partner section. But I want to talk about, uh, just for a second, it's kind of it's kind of hard talking about it with just myself. But, um, you know, I was recently able to be successful this past week on November the 7th, which is uh, typically the supposed to be like the best day countrywide to kill a deer. Um, now I didn't shoot a, a mature buck. I shot, you know, in Alabama, we get three buck tags. And so, um, you have a little bit of flexibility. And, and one of the things that I wanted to talk about just in this intro is, you know, so much of the media, the hunting media tells you that you need to be going after big deer. And I'm sure if you're a part of Facebook or Instagram, you've seen those conversations where somebody posts a picture of a small buck that they killed and, People are like, oh, that would have been a nice deer in a couple years. Well, here's the here's the the reality of the situation is is everybody hunts on their own. They hunt for their own experience. And um, with this buck that I killed, the experience of it was on public land. It was my first buck that I've ever filmed. Um, and you can watch that on the Sportsman's Nation YouTube channel. It's the first buck that I ever got on film and that I was able to harvest. Um, and it was just a really, really cool story and a neat experience. And so that's what exactly what I was going after was that that experience. And so I say all that to say, don't get so consumed this time of year with chasing the um, the approval of other people. Chase what you want to chase. If you want to shoot a, a four-year-old, if that's your goal, then shoot a four-year-old. If you just want to shoot a buck on film like I did, shoot a buck on film. Like, don't make everything you do don't make this this sport and this hobby that we love so much don't make it about the approval of others because that's definitely not what it's for so um that doesn't you me and Locke talk a lot about that in in this week's episode and you know we we talk about seeking the adventure and seeking the um the the hunt you know and and, and trying to create an experience that you're going to remember forever so you guys go out and do that. I, I really, really want to encourage you guys in that. Don't seek the approval of other people because it really doesn't matter that much. Um, what matters is that you remember it, that you um, have a good experience in the woods. So take it or leave it. That's how I'm going to segue into this episode with Lock Wheeler. You guys enjoy it. All right, everybody, welcome to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. Um, we are right in the dang middle of the the action across the United States. Everywhere is, is experiencing a lot of rut activity, and I've got a guy on the line who recently got to experience some of that. I've got Lock Wheeler um, of the Progression, the Progression Series, and... A man with many titles, Locke. You've got the Progression Series. You've got Scree Gear. You've got Louisiana Bow Hunter. Man, how's it going? I'm very good, Parker. Just got back from our latest hunt uh, last night and and enjoying a a great fall so far. So yeah, yeah man, everything's awesome. going good. That's awesome. So so you kind of you kind of have your hand in a little bit of everything, and I'm going to kind of let you just kind of run away with it. Whatever you want to uh, say about your many <laughs> projects that you uh, that you've taken on, um, I know for sure, man. Today, I want to talk about this big buck that you killed in Nebraska uh, last week. But um, man, like you just take it away. You got a, you got a lot of things yeah. that, that you could talk about. So, yeah, um, uh, you know, so people know Parker and I uh, ran into each other in uh, Birmingham at the alabama uh, outdoor show yeah the, the, the world the world deer the world deer classic yeah and we got to talk and i was there with scree um and i am um an ambassador and representative for scree which is a um, performance-based layering system um camo gear company from utah and i guess my role with scree is more designed 
in the way of helping them get into the south, the east, whitetail, spring turkey, uh, those kind of markets because they are the out and we have our own proprietary camouflage patterns and our own um, sorting and all that kind of stuff, but uh, very similar to some of your other uh, high-end performance uh, brands, and, you know, they just haven't gotten over here, and obviously that's where I fit in, and uh, you mentioned my hands and lots of other things, and so Scree is, you know, I'm partnered up with them in that regard, and so I'm also a big part of Louisiana Bow Hunter, and uh, particularly just in their online and podcast presence, and uh, T3 game calls, and do a lot of media work, license focused media, and, and stuff like that. So I've been around doing retail and media and outdoor industry work for a long time, and currently the Progression Series is a digital series that we are doing that's designed to, again, uh, not only is it just a fun project for me and some friends that are involved with it, but it's it's an opportunity for us to gather that media and content for Scree to kind of show their products being used in the whitetail woods. So, Man, that sounds super cool. And um, I actually, it was really cool because I got to be a... Um... I got to be to, to kind of watch you guys from the beginning of the progression series. I remember you telling me uh, back in, I guess was that it was like July, I guess whenever we yeah. met, and yeah. I remember you kind of telling me about it, telling me about kind of the the vision behind it, what you were what you were going for, and man, just to watch it kind of unravel has been been crazy. I was I was I got to tell you, man, I was super pumped for you when I when I saw that you had you had finally got to sit in the tree stand for yourself, not the camera <laughs> yeah. guy, and you were able to take that take that buck last week that was that was yeah. really cool so the progression so far um you know we we released our first episode and it was kind of designed to introduce what we were uh, how this concept started over the summer we showed some hog hunting and and bow fishing and uh just kind of introduce the partnership because the, the progression series is presented by scree it's hosted on scree's youtube channel uh so um we started off with that and then quickly we had a lot of success filming in oklahoma uh a beautiful nine point and or actually it was a seven point i'm sorry a big eight missing a brow um and uh we hunted in south louisiana where we have a very unique marsh floating marsh i mean we're sitting in a stand watching shrimp boats go by um, on a bay that leads into the Gulf of Mexico, and you turn and look out the box. You know, we're sitting in elevated shooting houses looking at marsh. I mean, there's nothing out there. It's marsh grass, uh, you know. Uh, cool. It's an area that people think that white-tailed deer don't even exist, and we're filming 130-inch 10 points chasing does rutting in October. It's the craziest thing you've ever seen. That episode hasn't premiered yet. Uh, we've got some teaser content on it, but it'll be out this fall and then like you just so mentioned, let me just, let me let me okay. interrupt you i got a question about that place mm-hmm. um is is that just is it owned by somebody that you know how does that yeah does that's that a lease that's a lease um jacob prestonbach who is the owner of relentless boats which is one of the companies that i do media and and online marketing stuff for if you follow me you'll see me posting relentless boats custom boat manufacturer mm-hmm. they make everything from small craft uh piro and uh, John boats all the way up to uh, bay boats, you know, 20-foot bay boats and bigger. But uh, anyway, he's the owner, and he's got a large lease. And most of that land down there is lease land, but there is public land um, in south Louisiana. And if you look up Area 7, it's a small area, but this is all coastal marsh, and they have a, a rut in late October, and they have an early rifle season in, in late October. It's, you know, bow hunting is a difficult task out there because there's not a tree anywhere. I mean, you have what they call myrtle bushes that are maybe 15 feet tall, and there'll be groves of those that provide good thick area for the deer, but they're 15 foot tall. They're no trunk. You know, there's no tree stands. It's your elevated blinds uh, pretty much. But on some of this land, you know, it's it's what they call a cowpea, which is like a natural soybean of sort, and they fertilize it in the spring and summer with helicopters, and it has created a really nice deer herd, so... This was private land that we were hunting. Um, if you're interested, you can research 
um, Area 7 and, and down around Patterson, Thibodeau, Homa area. There is some public ground down there where you can check this kind of hunting out, but it's extremely unique. Uh, so we did that and um whole different adventure there. And then yeah. we just I just got home last night from our Midwestern we uh our Midwestern trip and myself and our co producer Clay with Vamp Media and a good friend of ours, uh Geo from up in Pennsylvania. We all met up and went and hunted with a couple buddies of mine in the Midwest and were successful. And I know we'll probably talk a lot more about that hunt in detail, but we're we're successful. And so uh I think our goals thus far, um, we've done a great job of using scree in 90-degree southern Oklahoma, which is, if you're wondering, is basically like Texas, <laughs> terms yeah. of landscape, arid, arid, you know, uh, brush country type stuff, yeah. um, uh, all the way down to the humid, damp coastal marsh, which is also hot. And then we go up to the Midwest this week and get an unusual cold front. And it was six degrees on Friday in Nebraska. Six degrees, oh Parker. We don't do six degrees down no, here in I don't, I don't got Alabama, close. Mississippi, and Louisiana. I don't got anything that'll that'll keep me warm in six degrees. Like I'll be well, bundled me, up like a snowball. Yeah, and and that's hard to bow hunt in. And mm-hmm. that's that's where scree comes into play. And, and I, I look, I I said this to so many people, the trade show circuit over the summer and people always ask that question well how does this stuff work in the cold because it's meant to be not bulky it's yeah. meant to for you to wear less layers and, and perform you know with the ultra fine merino fabrics and all these innovations and in, in gear and design but look man here's the thing if you go sit up on the side of a tree and it is 20 degrees and the wind's blowing 20 miles an hour out of the north Mm-hmm. If you're not in a bubble, you're going to get cold to a certain extent. Yeah. You know, so there is not a product. You can't spend an amount of money, um, be it bulky, debulked, you know, whatever. You can't. There's there. You know, it's that's just cold. As as a, as the, the 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 creature that we are, you know, can't handle that without yeah. getting cold. So it's a matter of being as comfortable and allowing you to stay out there, and 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 handle it long enough to make those hunts and put yourself in a position to be successful. And we were able to do that. We hunted, like I said, we hunted. It was pretty cold all week. All, uh, it stayed in the 30s. Um, after the front moved in Thursday and brought the snow, uh, it pretty much stayed in the 20s, and it didn't get out and out of the 30s or mid-30s until we, we left yesterday. It finally started to raise up. So, um we had some rain early in the week. We had cold. We had wind. We had snow, and we did all that with uh, the current layer layering system that we have. And you know, um, so hopefully we'll be adding to it. And so, so you talked about you, you kind of mentioned it briefly, but um, so Scree is is using the kind of the merino wool type yeah. um, clothing. Is that what you said? Yeah. So our base layers, um, our base layers are merino ultra fine merino wool and our outer stuff is teflon coated uh high performance polyester blends and so the um, the teflon coated that that really helps with like kind of the wind um, wind moisture wind and durability yeah yeah wind moisture and durability so this is uh, one thing that i've been that i've been struggling to find something that's something that's really good um and i've actually been looking looking today um, just thinking about, you know, we have a, it's kind of funny, we have a early Christmas at my family's house in Texas um, because we're going to celebrate uh, Thanksgiving there, so we're just going to do Christmas with them. So I've been, like, trying to find, like, what I actually want to ask my parents for Christmas. And um, <laughs> and I've been looking for different, different you know, jackets that'll keep me warm because it doesn't typically get super cold here in Alabama, but there are right. those days, man, where you just, you we want to sit all day our rut out here where I hunt is, is going to be really kicking up around mid December. So that's the, one of the coldest parts of the year. So I'm just trying to figure out what to get. And it's really hard going back to, you know, that wind breaking, something that's wind breaking. It's really hard to find a good, um, yeah. jacket that'll keep you warm and also will be quiet and be able to perform in a bow hunting scenario, especially where you're, um, where you're drawing back, you know, and it's not, yeah. it's not just like 
crinkling, you know, and you can hear it. You can find jackets that'll keep you warm, but it's not going to perform the way you want. I think one of the things that you see with screw this is what Scree does in a big way, and you see it with with competing brands as well. Is it's less about one piece and more about how you layer under the right outer. So you know, let's just say you know in this case you wear our hard scrabble jacket. And it's not a really thick jacket, you know, by design. You look at it and and you hold it and try it on and go, well, that fits really good, but it's not very thick. How's this going to keep me warm? Well, that's where the whole layering thing comes into play. Because you're wearing, if you layer it with the system, you know, you're wearing the merino wool against your skin. You're any Even the slightest bit of moisture on your skin produces a major problem when the wind starts blowing and the cold seeps in. Um, so it's wicking away moisture it's drying at an extremely quick rate and then it's insulating better than other fabrics and that is going in up underneath an outer shell that's performing really good against the outer you know the elements on the outside it's wicking and it's also breathing and then it's blocking uh the wind and the cold and moisture and everything from the outer so it's they all kind of play together and i think in the past you know or I say in the past, first many people still the present, you know, we're looking, you've got solutions that are kind of only uh, one-dimensional. Yeah. Uh, the jacket is either way too, it, it's really good, it's really warm, but it's too bulky to really pack around and, and hunt out of, or uh, it's made of something that is, like you said, that's not, that's kind of loud or, or something undesirable. It's um, those kind of things just get in the way. And it, and and for us guys, I know you and I have talked a lot, and we hunt a lot the same. And we're kind of adventurous, which means we end up moving around and mm-hmm. going here and going there. And we rarely just it's rare we rarely make it simple on ourselves. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. And so because of that, we need gear and we need equipment across the board for hunting that works with us. And uh, so that's how the layering works. You can go in. Um, go in lighter, um, layer on top, and hopefully the the goal there is to perform as well without uh, giving you the marshmallow effect or what's, yeah. the, what's the little guy's name on the Christmas story? Uh, uh, the, the little brother. Yeah, he got all the clothes on. He can't move. Yeah, I know you're talking about. You know? I feel like the, <laughs> I tell you, I feel like the Michelin Ralphie. Man, Ralphie. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the Michelin man when I'm out there sometimes in the middle of December and it's just like, well, I, I even think, if I see a deer, I'm not going to be able to shoot it. <laughs> I think back and as people, uh, people have asked me and it causes me to jog my memory and think and I think back not that long ago where I was hunting in these kind of temperatures and I am bundled up in the coldest weather stuff I can get and when it gets down that cut, you're still cold. Yeah, <laughs> you're just still cold. You're still freezing. You know, that's just what it is. I mean, there's a certain amount of it that you can't stop it. The only way you're going to stop it is getting a shoot in the house with a little buddy heater and keep the windows closed until it's time to make the shot. And if that's how you want to hunt, you can probably find a way to keep from getting cold. But if you're going to sit on the side of a tree with a bow and arrow, um, and you're going to hunt that way, you're either going to have to choose to not hunt on days like that, or or try to buy and use the best stuff you can to keep you in the tree but just understand that as a hunter as an outdoorsman and adventurer if you choose to sit out in 15 mile an hour north winds at freezing temperatures as a human being you're going to get cold yeah, yeah it's all, it, you know it wouldn't be it wouldn't be the same if you if there wasn't a little bit of sacrifice to it you know yeah well that's part of it yeah that's you're exactly right uh, that's kind of part of the adventure is kind of connecting yeah and no, nobody likes a story that says you know, I was out and it was negative three degrees outside, and I was actually super warm because my my camo system was was perfect, and it, so I, it I wasn't that cold. Yeah. <laughs> so that doesn't right. sound as good, you know. No, and you don't, and and, and they're probably and you probably think they're full of it too. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. So you uh you talked a little bit about about this to me earlier, but you're talking about there's there's two different kind of guys. There's guys who are adventure seekers, and you're, and I think you you actually said well, there's guys who are like just harvest harvest seekers, and neither one of them are bad. Yeah. Um, but there is a certain a certain um, type guy that I like to relate with, and that's the adventure seeker 
type, you know, with using the kayak and stuff. And, and it sounds like you're a lot the same. And um, I want you to kind of talk about this for a second, because one of the things you talked about to me earlier was you said, you know, I'm not hunting necessarily uh, public land, but I, I don't go to just an outfitter and uh, just go and let them set me up in a spot where I'm going to see a deer and I shoot a giant and then go home and eat the rest of the trip, you know? And so yeah. you were talking about kind of the adventure in that. And talk about that for a second. Yeah. I mean, I first, I want to give huge, we were successful and you'll see a lot of that on the progression. I'm going to give huge props to Brad Ganaway at Pro Outfitters and Tyson Harris at Harris Outfitters. Um, both of those guys are up in Northwest Missouri and Southeast Nebraska respectively. And for them giving me the chance to hunt their properties and, uh, being good friends, they they're awesome and if you're looking to to go on an outfitted hunt definitely look those guys up but uh yeah what we were talking about there is um you had asked me a little bit about the deer and you know so i killed my deer in nebraska um we went and actually filmed in both states we hunted in missouri with harris outfitting the first part of the week and we moved over to pro outfitters and hunted nebraska the second part of the week and trying to fill two tags obviously make the most of our trip but um it rained on Monday. Um, kind of the weather was bad, and we had a really big deer. We grunted him up Sunday afternoon, and he circled downwind and smelled us. And we kind of so he didn't really blow out of there. But I, I told my cameraman, I said, "Man, let's just let's just stay out of here for a day. <laughs> uh, let's let this gun. The rain's going to come in, wash any of our scent away that has been there, and let's just let's just give it a break and uh, go." run over to this Nebraska farm, it's only 20 miles away, and and scout that sucker out and get our stands hung, and that's one thing we won't have to do later in the week. So that's what we did. And, um, you know, we are talking about the adventure seeker part of it, and I, I killed a nice deer in Nebraska on Thursday, and Nate, uh, our friend from Scree who came in to hunt Nebraska with us, he killed uh, his first ever whitetail, another nice buck, um, the next day on that same property. And the adventure of it, and the success of it was more exciting than the trophy itself. And this was a, you know, a mid 140s, just Nebraska stud, 10 point, you yeah. know, I mean, just, uh, and, but there's something to me about, you know, Brad saying, hey, bud, here's a farm that I haven't hung any stands on. We haven't been on it. It's yours for the week. Go check it out. Do whatever you want. Best of luck. And we spent four hours walking and using the Onyx maps and checking things out and hung two sets and killed two nice bucks in 36 hours and did it on video. And it's it's like, man, the deer could have scored 180. As it was, it scored 144 unofficially. And it is the adventure that is so fun. On mm-hmm. the same hand, uh, hunting with guys in camp that don't want to do that, they have no desire to come up there and do that. They want to kick back, watch football, eat fellowship and go be taken to the stand and they don't really care where they're at they don't care what the conditions are they just want to kill a buck i mean they're, they're there to to kill a trophy buck mm-hmm. and um so that was kind of what i was talking about with the two difference for me um nothing wrong with it in my mind at all it's just it's not what I, it's one of the reasons i've gotten into the hunting with the camera and producing the media and stuff because the challenge of doing this in high def um on camera is is just it's unreal it's It's, different it's unreal it's so different and and um uh that was part of this this trip i i can't i can't say it enough is the success of the trip was really more built around the fact that we put our gear to the test we hunted really hard and we did it our way and we were very successful and that's what the progression is about um in general and just the success of that is yeah. a blessing and it feels awesome you know yeah. and and the deer could have been 125 or he could have been 165 and that part didn't really matter he was a nice buck he was what we were after and we did it our way so that's kind of how i define the adventure seeker versus the harvest seeker there's other guys who they don't care if they're hunting a field or they're hunting the woods or box blind tree stand rifle bow they don't care they just want to put their hands on those trophy antlers and that's what drives them whatever drives you be a part of it be a part of the outdoors and do it but uh, you know for me i i that's what i 
that's what keeps me going is the adventure seeking. Yeah, and I love the name. Um, I remember at the Scree booth, you know, sitting there on in in July, and you telling me the progression series, talking about you know the whole name and and what it means, and I was kind of jealous because I love that name because for me, it's it's all it, it's I feel the exact same way. You know, my experience in the woods is my experience, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go after what I want to experience. You know, I uh, I guess the day before you killed that that big deer. Um, I killed a, a, a small buck, you know, in Alabama, we get three, three buck tags. So you kind of have some, a little bit to burn if you want to. Um, so this little buck came out and, and just the day itself, like I was in a, a tree that I was only like eight foot up in the tree because I didn't realize that it had been struck by lightning in the dark. I didn't realize that yeah. it had been struck. And so I start climbing it and it's busted in half and splintered. And so I was only two sticks up. And I ended up staying right there and uh, jumped a bunch of deer out when I was on my way there. I was on public land and I kayaked in and all that stuff. All that to say, this little buck walked out perfect. I mean, the plan worked. He, he crossed this creek crossing and I was like, you know what? He came in perfect to my strong side, you know, out of the saddle. And, and I had a perfect shot on video. I mean, everything just worked out well. I was like, you know what? this is the experience that I'm after. And so I ended up yeah. shooting him and, and man, I tell you, like I've shot, I've got deer on my wall. I've got big deer that I've killed on private land with a rifle, um, in a cornfield or, you know, over a corn feeder in West Texas. You know, I've got a lot of good experiences, but that's the experience that I wanted to chase after. That was the progression of me. My progression wasn't, okay, I've killed this big of a deer. Now I need to shoot this big of a deer. Now, and everything at any cost to shoot a deer that's bigger than the last one. That's not it, man. That's not what it's about. It's about chasing after the experience that you want to have in the woods on that day. And and that's yeah, why I love your the right. name. Yeah, and you capture, you know, your feelings that you captured the spirit of the name perfectly. We, we I mean, let's just, I'll be honest with it and upfront with it. We're not full-time uh, professional, I guess we're somewhat professional in, in one sense, but we're not full-time producers. This isn't our job. We, you know, the guys involved in this project, we're, uh, we, we have full-time jobs and we have families and other things going on. This is something that we're, we are, uh, exhausting a lot of our resources to do it, but it is on the side. And so, um, when I say this, I say that to, to disclaim and, and maybe preface that, we're trying to show you the progression of a hunter. We want you to follow along on our social media and, and on our episodes semi-live as we produce them to kind of see what it's like for us, what it's what, what we're trying to do. Um, hopefully we'll be entertaining and, and thought-provoking and all the things that you want to do when you try to tell a story through the, the lens of a camera. But that's what it is. Every hunt, the progression of every hunt, um, the progression of the season – uh, and in this case, deer season, uh, as it goes from hot in October hunting feeding patterns to um, you know early ruts and, and November ruts in the Midwest, and then late season ruts and hunting in, um, with and during the holidays in the South, which is you know uh, traditional. Uh, we're going to do all that, and so that's what we wanted to. We wanted to put are the gear that we're using and the things that we're trying to show you from that standpoint we wanted to put them in there and show it to you uh in that i guess kind of a timeline i hope we pr i hope we're able to capture that a little bit uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh to, an, to an extent it is just a deer hunt um it is just one adventure at a time and you know like i said we're not doing it full time we don't have the resources at our ex uh, uh at our disposal you know, maybe to capture that exactly, but that is the spirit of the name. And you, you show, you said it in your hunt. You know, if I were along filming you, your hunt, regardless of the size of the animal, would fit what we're trying to do exactly. Because there is a progression of events and a progression of emotions for you as the hunter, or for a group of hunters, or whatever we're showing, where you go through all of this, and there's all these ideas that you have and then inadvertently decisions that you make based off of that and they all culminate 
you know, in one way or the other. And, um, you know, that's kind of what the name was about. We're, we're just trying to be uh, creative and a little bit reality, a little bit uh, semi-live in, in our production. Right. And um, well, so I, that's It's all I'm been, man, I can tell you, it's all been really good. Um, the stuff that I've seen has all been top of the line um, and, and really good. But, you know... I'm sitting here thinking, and I was, I was just, I was just kind of thinking about it. I was like, you know what? We have not ever had a success story or like a tactics, strategies type, like break down the hunt, a successful hunt on a deer that was killed in the Midwest. We've never had that on this podcast, and so well, you're fixing to get it right now. <laughs> yeah, I want to. I, I, you know, I, I feel like we would do, be doing everybody a disservice. We try to focus everything on, um, yeah. on the South here you know but you know you're a southern guy and you went up to the midwest and uh and we're successful so yep. i feel like we'd be doing a disservice if we didn't at least talk about some of the, str- the strategies and tactics that you used to kill that man that, that yeah big, okay that so let me so i'll give it i'll give you the uh i'll give you the basics and and this pretty typical this hunt this setup and everything is pretty typical to the midwestern uh rut hunt i mean i've hunted kansas missouri nebraska for about the last eight or nine years consecutively and um you'll find a real similar landscape um you'll find a real similar rut and everything between those three areas so basically um again brad took us out when uh monday morning and he there's a on the blacktop took us and showed us the, the couple of entry points to the farm and showed us on google maps uh you know this is what you're hunting so have at it he goes you know basically i got some shed antlers during turkey season saw some deer when the crops are short during the fall i mean during the summer late summer we know there's some good deer on here i have not been out here and scouted hung any stands it's yours have at it so we uh we took those points on google and we put up on um onyx maps which i know you're very familiar with yeah and um got the property lines really figured out so basically what we had here was we had about 300 acre farm and there was probably 50 or 60 acres of beans standing beans and probably i don't know a large percentage of it still in standing corn and down either side of the farm you had um hardwoods along creeks then that's basically what everything is hedgerows ditches and woods and timber as they call it uh along these creeks so what you're looking for in this is you're looking for pinch points and you're looking for places that the deer would potentially uh be moving through on a regular basis and in this case with the standing corn um that 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 makes it even more pivotal that you get in a really good pinch because they can technically stay in the corn and you'll never see them. Yeah. Um. So in this case, fortunately enough, on this farm, uh, the two things that we did, we had two sets. One of them, uh, I would assume, based on my experiences, was kind of unique to this place. You may not get this in a lot of places. They had a water diversion in the middle of the farm, which is basically a dried up pond with uh, a diversion cut through the middle of the corn um and it was right in the middle of it so uniquely where standing corn is usually a problem you have this big crp field uh dried pond with a levee right in the middle of the corn (laughs) as you can imagine that creates an amazing opportunity (laughs) so we had one stand right on the corner of that levee looking at this big water diversion in the middle of all the standing corn the other one we had right off the highway and this is the one that i killed my deer out of actually both deer were killed out of this one set um it we dropped off the highway and we went right up in the front corner it's kind of a where two creeks kind of came close to each other and, and made up the front corner of this field and we walked up in there and we found a little kind of opening uh where these two hedgerows kind of came close together and made a little point and uh, it was a highway of deer traffic where they were wrapping around the end of that field, going up and down both of these ditches, you know, yeah, doing their thing. 
So we set up there, and, uh, you know, the way I killed the deer, to be honest with you, I didn't sit in the stand long enough to observe a ton of deer traffic to tell you exactly how much my observation was right because we got in the stand we hung them on wednesday we came back got in the stand I mean, i'm sorry we hung them on monday we came back got in the stand on wednesday afternoon and we saw a, a nice 10 point that was probably a borderline shooter but he kind of just skirted through there real quick nose on the ground and uh didn't get a real good look at him and we didn't have a shot at him and then we got back in the set thursday morning and i shot the deer at 6:45, which based on sunrise <laughs> basically the sun wasn't even up yeah. And he, but he read the script. He came down one of those draws, and hit that little opening, and came. There's kind of a hedgerow between the opening that we were sitting in at, the, at the, in this pinch and, and the cornfield, and there's scrapes all along it. And he checked every scrape, and just came right down in front of us. So he was running those draws looking for does, and um, you'd have to be blind to not have found this spot if you if you did your homework and walked because there was scrapes and deer sign everywhere <laughs> uh we walked in there and we're like okay there's one going in this spot for sure uh and uh you know but that's you you know as far as tactics and stuff go you know even it's like the same sort of sign that we look for in terms of travel and rut activity signs it's just there's way more of it and i think the biggest tactic for hunting in the Midwest, and I've been fortunate to be successful and that people just have to understand, is, yes, there's big bucks. Yes, they grow big up there. But the thing about it is, the, the thing about hunting up there that's so different is when the crops start being cut, especially when the crops start being cut, you have deer living in open timber, small blocks of timber. And the truth of it is... Parker, if you go sit there and you put in your time and you get in a high in a high traffic area, you hunt the wind and you put in your time, the deer's going to walk past you. You know, down here in Alabama, Louisiana, Mississippi, deer can go anywhere. You know, there's yep. 100,000 acres of timber. Up there, they're living on a 300-acre farm that's got 60 acres of timber on it, and it's wide open timber along a creek, you know, and they're yeah. – bedded up in some crp or something if they get on their feet and they start walking and you keep the wind that you're in your favor and and, it, and it's rut and they're on their feet and you're sitting there enough he's gonna walk by you he there's just it's either that or walk across a wide open field and and they're obviously not going to favor doing that yeah so that's kind of it's kind of the smoke and mirrors is there's not hundreds of these huge bucks just everywhere it's not that they're easier to hunt but you got to put in your time, you know, and so that's kind of the other tactic is you got to get up there and hunt. I mean, you got to get up there and sit long hours, and um, you're hunting, in most cases, you're either hunting cruising deer or you're hunting deer that are following does, and in either case, if he's cruising, he's going to smell you. If he's following a doe, she's going to smell you. So you got to play the wind. you got to be smart about setting your your sets up in high-traffic areas and having multiple locations or at least to be mobile enough to where when the wind shifts and these fronts blow through that uh you can move around and you can stay in the woods keeping the wind to your favor and hunt hours um the people that aren't successful in my experience the people i've hunted with in camp are the ones that come down they come up to the midwest and they we're going to hunt the whitetail rut and they're calling the outfitter saying hey come pick me up at 9 30 i want to eat breakfast and then they want to go back at three and sit until dark the way we hunt at deer camp down here in the south on the week of thanksgiving you know yeah and um you know by the third day i ain't seeing no deer i ain't seeing it well you gotta sit man i'm having to come in out of this farm the farm's 300 acres it's got limited bedding and i'm having to drive in and out of there four times a day to get you in and out of the stand you're not going to be successful that way yeah I think that's um, I think that's one misconception that people have is uh you know one of the things that we're figuring out me and um uh, my buddy Michael's actually one who's kind of turned me on to this and he's a he uh is a part of Southern Ground as well and he he talks about the peak peak buck movement is going to be after 11 o'clock in the morning almost almost consistently and you know even even early season you're going to have some deer move right at first light but then after I mean, after that early or late morning is when they're going to get up and, and start moving again. Um, 
because the the majority of the time those deer are not they're not sitting in the same bed from the time the sun comes up until it gets dark they're moving they're doing something mm-hmm. and um they may not be moving far but you got to be there to make sure and man i cannot tell you how many times i have set until lunchtime and and i didn't see a deer until after 11 o'clock it's i mean it's it it happens on a regular basis out here but the 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 fact is is you and i both know that most guys are not sitting that long i mean you can see it if you go sit on public land in a high traffic you know a high traffic or a highly pressured area you're going to see the majority of hunters getting down at 9 9 30 10 o'clock that's pretty much it it's what we're i think it's what we've been made accustomed to uh, i mean i know for me growing up in deer camp in the south that's just what we did you oh, know, yeah. everybody went out and hunted and middle of the morning we all came in and ate a late breakfast and socialized and fellowship and it's a big part of who i am and how i was brought up and yeah. and, it, and to spend that time around deer camp with good guys and every one of them you know treated you like you know you, their son and they you know they they had a big part, and it and it is it, invaluable. And mm-hmm. I hope to imprint that on my children. But in terms of, if you've got five days to hunt in the Midwest, which you know where this topic started, or you've got a short amount of time to take advantage of your rut, you know, you got to put the time in. That's that's one of the big things. Um, you know, you got to be there. And 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 here's the other thing that I think that you people should maybe take to heart that it's not always about whether or not the deer is going to walk by you at noon. But if you're in and out of the stand at 10 and then walking back in there at two and he is around, you're probably not going to see him at three thirty. but if you've been sitting there since before daylight, then you might see him at three thirty. but you mm-hmm. may blow him out of there coming. Cause he, like you said, he's on his feet more He's a lot more visible. He's a lot more around. That's why you're hunting him. That's why you want to hunt the rut. And if you're coming in and out and you're calling someone to come pick you up on a truck or a four-wheeler and you're in and out of the property during the peak times where these deer are actually on their feet, moving around and stuff like that, you're more likely to interact with them whether you know it or not. And, again, it's, you know, well, I ain't going to see nothing at 1230. No, but you might spook something at, at 11 getting in and out of the tree. And and it may affect the rest of your day or the rest of your hunt, and um, you know uh, that has a lot to do with it. But as far as the Midwest goes, you know, here's what I found uh, talking about tactics and stuff. It's it's things are just shrunk down to a smaller area. I think it's the best way to put it, man. Um, I haven't found things to be in terms of scouting and deer sign a lot different than what I grew up. It's just in a smaller area, which actually makes it easier because it's easier to find pinch points. It's easier to find the most likely travel patterns. It's easy to find the path of least resistance. And um, it's easy to find observation spots and to do all those things. Whereas a lot of, I can just remember growing up and hunting large tracts of timber and cut over property and stuff like that. And sometimes it was hard to figure out where those scrape lines were coming and going to. Yeah. They were, they almost seemed random and scattered. And it's like, well, I, I know there's a buck, but I can't figure out if he's coming from the, the north, the south, the east, the west. I, you know, and technically he could be coming from any of those directions. And up there, it, it's you use the maps, you use technology nowadays and put that to your favor and, uh, you can figure these deer out, and then it's a matter of putting in the time and, you know, investing in um, the tactics and investing in the gear and the products and the investing in yourself, both financially and in, time, in in your time and your resources and everything, to just maximize the opportunity. And if you do that, you can be successful on some, you know, really impressive deer because uh, they got them and. I hate to say it, they're easier to hunt. I, I feel like guys that have grown up in the South trying to figure out how to hunt these deer that we've learned to hunt in these pine tickets and these cutovers and these big hunting clubs, if you can hunt and kill a good deer during the rut down here on a regular basis, if you can get access to the property, you ought to be able to go kill you a slammer in the Midwest every year, you know, if the weather yeah. works out for you. Yeah, because, yeah I agree. You know. If I could find a deer on a 300-acre cutover and kill him, 
then I can find one on a 50 acres of hedgerow that's the only place he's got to walk. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep, I agree. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. We, we preach it a lot. You know, hunting, hunting down here is just, it's just so different. You know, I'm even sitting here listening to your, to your story about this deer. I'm thinking, man, that sounds like a whole lot of fun to be able to experience rut activity like that. Um, and, and the, and the fact of the matter is, is it's, it's only one, it's one tag away. You know, these guys down here, if you're listening to this and you're in the South and you've never done an out of state hunt, man. Go try it. Oh, go, it's a blast. Go to Kentucky. Go to Ohio. Ohio, you can get a you can get a deer tag in Ohio for like a hundred and fifty bucks or something like that. It's less than two hundred dollars. Yeah, well, it's only it's two hundred and twenty five dollars in Missouri over the yep. counter. And I think it's after you buy your uh you have to have like a conservation stamp or something, but after the stamp plus the tag in Nebraska, it's only like two sixty. Yeah, you know, and, and it it costs four hundred. If you if you come hunt the state of Mississippi as an out of stater, uh, it's four hundred and something. Oh, you know, yeah, it's, it, the tag is cheaper there, and um, there's lots of there's lots of good public land areas that you can hunt that people consistently kill nice deer and have good hunting uh, in all of those states. So, oh yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean it's. And and the the cool thing is is that like in Missouri state like Missouri I was actually just looking at tag prices for Missouri um, uh, last night you can kill you can you get two buck tags you get two deer either sex tags and you also mm-hmm. get two turkey tags that go with that as well yeah fall turkey yeah fall turkey yeah you can and that's, that's I mean your, that's uh, so cool for two hundred twenty five bucks yeah two hundred twenty five bucks you can kill a buck and a doe and a turkey or two. Um, if you want, and you know, for me, the places I've hunted, uh, I, I, I could have pretty much, at least in theory, filled all those tags. I could have, I could have killed as many turkeys as I wanted this past hunt. <laughs> I was turkeys all over the place and maybe it was more to do with where I was, but there's a lot of turkeys in the state. Um, I had turkeys around me almost every day. I certainly could have shot as many does as I wanted. I saw does every single hunt and uh i didn't shoot a deer in missouri but it wasn't because i didn't see them i just uh either because of the camera or the size of the deer that i was you know that i was hoping to get i passed on several bucks that i probably would have shot at home but was hoping for some bigger bucks that we knew were on the property and had actually seen one of them my second day hunting which made me even more selective because i i knew he was there and i knew he was on his feet so um there's a lot of opportunities and then in and even in terms of of private hunting as opposed to what some people assume in outfitting cost you can go and hunt with with like one of my buddies in the in the midwest or or missouri you're you're talking about a two thousand dollar deer hunt with a 225 dollar over the tag for five days and i'm just going to tell you now if you try to lease your own property or even if you hunt private by the time you buy your food and pay for your lodging and and then if you pay a lease price on your own piece of property and you go up there and hang your own stands and all that, you're gonna you're gonna beat that. So for twenty five hundred bucks, you can go hunt for five days with one of these guys and experience some fantastic. That's just another option for people to consider because um, I've tried to beat it a hundred different ways and you just can't. You know, uh, you can save a little money by hunting public property, but uh, public ground. But you know, um, if you if you want the if you want to be able to hunt land that's that's private and you want you know maybe that security element of not having to potentially have your hunt ruined by another hunter or not having to spend part of your vacation scouting to find a place and you know as, as opposed to having an outfitter take you in and have some some um intel on on the places you're hunting and that kind of thing then it's an affordable option and it's a lot of fun so heck yeah man that's cool well man i think we're i think we're getting uh, short on time here. It looks like we're coming up on an hour, but dude, I gotta say, man, I'm first off, I'm super pumped about checking out more about Scree gear. Um, I actually felt really cool when we were at the, at the expo that day. Um, I came up, I was like, Hey, this is, I've been, I've been hoping to, to try some of this on. Yeah. And y'all are all like really surprised. Like, 
there's been only a handful of people who'd ever heard of Scree Gear here in the South so far. So yeah, so that no, that's that's awesome for us though. No, the the marketing and we're you know so just so people know we're direct to consumer business model and that's really the only real difference or the primary difference between Scree and some other competitors in the same market is we don't sell to distributors we don't sell through stores so our pricing tends to be a little bit more responsible. And, and our customer service and stuff because we're direct to consumer. So when we right. do hear from people at these shows, that means our marketing is working because everything is online. We're marketing to you and we're selling to you all through the internet. So that's fantastic, man. So so to all our listeners, you know, check out Scree Gear, check out the Progression Series, um, check out Louisiana Bow Hunter and their podcast. I actually got to be a guest on that podcast not too long ago. That was a blast. Um, so check out all those three things. Where can where can somebody learn more about you and, and kind of the things that you're doing? Um, you can look me up on social media. Locke is spelled L-O-C-K-E, and my last name is Wheeler. So you can just look up Locke Wheeler or Life and Focus Media on um, Instagram, Facebook, the Progression Series. You can find stuff there. You can find out more about Scree Gear at ScreeGear.com and, of course, uh, LouisianaBowHunter.com and all of those things you'll find me referenced on there, and you'll you'll find links to all these different uh, friends and and uh, other things that I'm dabbling off into, and you can check out for yourself. But uh, I um it's it's been fun so far, and I'm looking forward to sharing more of that. So I hope people follow along and check it out. Well, man, best of luck to you for the rest of the season. Uh, I got I got a feeling you guys are going to be putting out some more great content, so uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, P- yeah, everyone stay tuned. I don't know when this podcast will release, but we'll have two episodes from our Midwest trip that will drop sometime before the end of November, and we actually, that, that Louisiana Marsh Hunt, uh, like I said, there's some teaser stuff out there, but we're going to uh, have a full episode from that, hopefully, and yeah, follow along, man. I, I think I told you... Uh, we we actually recorded the podcast that you lost in your yeah. data loss yep. situation, but I you know I had said on there that I I just you know I it's kind of playing into that whole adventure or, or type of mentality. I, I just we just want to entertain. You know we do want to show you scree. We want we want to pique your interest there. We hope you check them out. But um, at the same time, uh, yeah, that was a trophy deer that I killed in Nebraska and the deer that we shot in Oklahoma and. I mean, these are trophy deer because that makes for good cinema. But you know, we we're just trying to be entertaining. We're we're just trying to show you our way of doing it. We hope that it's entertaining. We're we're not trying to uh, we're not trying to hide anything. We're not trying to smoke and mirror you. You what you see is what you get. And uh, we're just average dudes. And if we can do it, anybody can do it. And hopefully, um, I don't I don't. I don't know that I'm really trying to teach people a whole lot, but I hope I'm entertaining them and uh, hoping that, that seeing that what we're doing and the way we're doing it may work for them and maybe they'll check out some of the stuff that we're using and some of the ways we're doing it. And so maybe that'll be educational in some way, but hopefully it just helps you uh, burn up a little time when you're looking for some outdoor content. Fantastic, man. I think everybody's going to enjoy it. Thanks for coming on the show, buddy. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. All right, that is another awesome podcast. Thank you so much, Locke Wheeler, for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. I think our listeners really enjoyed that as well. Also, big huge thanks to our partners at Onyx, at New Breed, at Tethered, and at Go Wild. Awesome companies. I encourage you all to to check them out. Won't regret it. I promise. I swear you will not regret it. Hey, one more thing that I want you guys to do. Actually, a couple more things that I'm going to ask you guys to do. Um, go check out the rest of the podcasts on this network. Uh, we got some really cool podcasts on here. We've got um, the Nine Finger Chronicles. You've got the Land and Legacy guys. You got Transition Wild, DIY Sportsman. All incredible podcasts, incredible hosts. Just really down to earth, good guys. If you're not listening to them, please go and do that. And when you do that, I just want to ask you to leave us a five star review on iTunes. That helps a lot you have no idea how much that helps the network um a couple more things go and follow the southern ground uh facebook page that's at southern ground also on instagram at southern ground hunting actually it's at southern ground hunting on both of those 
Go check that out. We do some cool giveaways. We do some really neat stuff. Um, and also, we are cranking out videos like it's going out of style. We got some uh, some good videos of public land hunting content here in Alabama and some in Kentucky. And we're going to have some in Georgia pretty quickly. So um, go check us out. That's on the Sportsman's Nation Network on YouTube. You can go and check that out and uh, subscribe to that channel. It's uh, <laughs> I'm learning that it's it's a lot of hard work to create hunting videos and... Uh, but it's totally worth it. It's been a blast. It's paid off. Like I said earlier, I just shot a buck last week. And that video is on there using the kayak and all that cool stuff. Michael shot a doe. And that video is on there. And then I've got another video of the doe kill. Um, the opening day successful hunt that I had out here as well on a doe. And uh, lots of ups and downs. Lots of fun stuff on the channel. So go and check that out. Subscribe to the channel. I don't think you're going to regret that. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else, and I don't think so. Um, pretty quick podcast today. We're right at an hour, so you guys have a full day to go out and do whatever you want. On that note, if you're going to be out in the woods this week, this weekend, just remember that God gave us dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We will talk to you next time.